0: down, isn't it? Hey everybody, hello, 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 it's day 10 of quarantine. Um, Hey guys, sorry I didn't do episodes the past two days, I had a bit of a weird one. So I couldn't find some medication that I need to take and so I didn't take it for three days, so I literally searched this entire apartment, could not find it, I was like, oh it's right! like I'll just... I'll just start it again when I get out. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, because I didn't take it for 3 days, I was really dizzy and could like barely stand up the other day. And then yesterday I was feeling a little bit stressed. I have a lot on my plate right now. I have some really really exciting things that I can't tell you guys about, but I'm doing a lot of work on something that is I guess podcast related, but it is a much bigger project that I just need to kind of focus on and put my energy into. So I didn't have time for a 10-minute one yesterday. Last night I was lying in bed and I was like, should I do a 10-minute one? But I thought, Ugh, it's not going to be good if I don't want to do it. Um, so, I, so I simply didn't. Um, but I'm back today. I'm probably going to do two questions and um, have a little chat about something. I firstly want to talk about something that's really really irritating me and that is being in these quarantine groups on Facebook. Now you may not realize but there are these hotel quarantine Facebook groups for Australians coming back either from overseas or interstate and it's sort of people sharing tips of you know how to cook food on an iron or how to boil eggs in a kettle or you know what to do what to get people to bring in what you can and can't bring in what the process is like it's it's been a very useful resource but the more the group grows, the more it turns into like a petri disc, disc. Well, a petri dish, petri disc, petri dish for conspiracy theorists, and it's really quite remarkable watching it happen in real time. Watching people egg each other on, and conspiracy theorists shut down others as uh, ignorant or misinformed or Sheep is my favourite one, Sheep, or my favourite, favourite, favourite one. It's so ridiculous. And I've seen a lot of posts lately and I saw one that was quite worrying the other day that I just wanted to share with you all. Uh, and, and listen, if you believe in these conspiracy theories, um, just know that you're wrong Um, and I, I don't think it's helping you or anyone around you to speak about this. I don't think it's – I think – Truly, I think you need to go to um, therapy, not being funny. Again, iron therapy is a bad thing, but I think there's a lot of paranoia there. Um, obviously, some conspiracy theories end up being true, but if you're believing ones like they're inserting microchips into us and that 5G has COVID, um, I, I, think, I think we just need to um, take a step back and maybe do some actual research and not just believe anyone on uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, because what happens is with these algorithms, I'm sure you all, all know this, but the way these algorithms are designed are uh, to make you see more and more extreme content towards your political leaning and then you want to watch for longer. So if you see a, a video that's going be slightly right-leaning, say say you watch that Ben Shapiro video of him talking about WAP, you will then get suggested more videos from Ben Shapiro that are probably about something else about abortion rights. Then because people think their ideas are being confirmed by the content they're seeing, they want to click on it. So it's an algorithm to make you go deeper and deeper into certain holes and down rabbit holes in order to keep you watching because you're interested in something that agrees with you, but maybe is a little bit different to what you think and a bit more extreme. You think, well, if this is true, that's true. And you get to a point where you think, well, if, um, you know, if God, if Ben Shapiro thinks that WAP is um, a disgusting song, then therefore, and you jump and, jump and jump and jump and jump and jump and jump and jump. And then you think that QAnon is real. So it it seems like little steps, but you end up making a huge jump. Anyway, it's not the point of what I'm saying, but I think that it, it seeing it happen in real life in these Facebook Groups, it makes me very concerned um, about what social media is doing for people who maybe don't have, again, this is no hate on them, but people that don't have the education or the understanding behind uh, certain topics. And because they're misinformed, they believe whatever they see on Facebook or on YouTube and there is no fact checking when it comes to that. They believe everything that Trump says despite the fact he is not an intelligent man. Um but that's by the bye. The post that I saw in this group was so concerning. It was basically this woman saying that she isn't going to get the covid tests. I don't know what her reasoning was. I think she thought it was part of a bigger conspiracy theory. She was not going to get the covid test and her and her intellectually um impaired 15 year old son was not going to get it either. So therefore if you don't get the tests you have to stay in for an extra 10 days. So she made the decision for her and her son to not get the tests because she thinks it's some big conspiracy theory and she thinks it's going to be uncomfortable and her child is now stuck in a hotel room for an extra 10 days. That is a total of 24 days. I've been in here for 10 days at this point and I'm the fact that I have four days left, I am so glad. Like I'm barely making it. And that's the only thing getting me through is saying four more sleeps and I can get out of here. It's it's genuinely confusing. So I guess the point of telling the story is that when you see people that are going on about conspiracy theories, you think, oh, like, is it is it really harmful? You know, they're just idiots. They believe what they want to believe. But there are real-life effects. And in this Facebook group there are so many conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers. And, again, if you're an anti-vaxxer, like – I'm not going to be polite about it. I don't know I you're 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 factually incorrect. You, you don't have science behind you. Um and I think you need to reevaluate your beliefs and if you're spouting anti-vax rhetoric, then you need to stop because you it's going to be damaging when we do get a coronavirus vaccine and we don't have the herd immunity because only half of the people are going to be responsible enough to get the vaccine. Like I I just it, it really concerns me. So if you think, look, if you're an anti-vaxxer, if you're conspiracy theorist, if you think QAnon is real, simply leave my podcast group and don't talk to me <laughs> because someone's going to DM me and be like, you said, that I don't, I don't care. You're, you're wrong. You're not going to change my mind. Um, and you need to, you need to become more educated on, on that, how vaccines work in general. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was my little, my little rant about anti-vaxxers to start the show off. But I do have some Q&As today, so I'm not just going to go and rant about what I want to talk about. I found a really good email. Um, and let me read it out to you guys. Hi, Abby. First of all, adore you and your content. I hope quarantine's going all right. Thanks, babe. Just wondering if you could maybe share your thoughts on how to handle being ghosted. I really got ghosted by someone who I just did not expect it from as he genuinely seemed such a kind, genuine person. Everything was amazing. We would see each other all the time and hadn't gone a day without talking since we met about a month ago. It's been about a week since he's ignored me. And even though we were meant to catch up over the weekend, he just never brought it up again. I just, I sent the last message and it was just asking how he was because I hadn't heard from him in about a day. And I really just don't know what to do, like whether to call him out as I feel so disrespected. I wouldn't have an issue if he just told me he was over this, but he just left it, which I think is a fucked thing to do to someone. Also, I'm quite stubborn and don't want to appear desperate, which I know is ridiculous as I'd literally just be asking the bare minimum. Anyway, love your thoughts. Ba, 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 ba. Cool. Um, thanks, girl. Lovely email. You're so nice. Love you too. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts on this and it's going to be a harsh truth. Are you ready? If he cared and if he had the capacity to, he would. So there are two options here. He doesn't have the capacity to be in a relationship right now and therefore you don't want to reply from him anyway or he doesn't care. And if he doesn't care, you don't want to be with him anyway, right? So I know this is hard to swallow but – You have been talking for a month every day. Yes, you get your hopes up. Yes, you kind of, I do this is what I'm saying I do. So I'm assuming it's the same as me. You project your ideals. You project what a relationship could be with this person. But when you look at it, you've been talking for a month and he's now ignored you already. He's already given you the biggest red flag there is and that is ghosting someone. He probably will come back to you in a couple of weeks and be like, oh, hey, sorry, this, this has happened. You have to figure out if you're willing to accept those reasons um which you could it could be something crazy happening in his life he could have a mental health issue and had a depressive episode i've met before to people that i love but i've ignored them for a couple of weeks and then like i'm so sorry so that isn't out of the question and i think we do need to leave room for mental health issues and we also need to leave room for maybe he's a bit confused maybe he has another thing going on that he doesn't want to tell you about and that to be honest you don't have the right to know about a month in. There could be something with his ex. It could be something with someone else he's dating. Yes, ghosting is shit. Ghosting is shit. But sometimes when you think someone is a genuinely good person, which it's if you think he is a genuinely good person, maybe he was too scared of seeing the upset and he was too frightened, which isn't really an excuse, but it's a reality a lot of the time. People just ghost people because they don't want to deal with it, not because they're awful, awful people. I think this is a huge issue though. I find in everyone's emails. Is you guys send me these things and you always assume the other person is a demon. And you're like, isn't he an asshole? And I say, no. Like I think very few people in the world are genuinely bad people. And I think very even fewer people try to hurt others. I think everyone tries to live a life that is going to cause the least harm in total for them and the other person involved. I think the way this person probably saw it was, I'm not interested, but I don't want to have the conversation yet. Or perhaps they aren't sure yet. And then they've left it for too long and they're like, oh, I just I don't wanna I don't wanna bring it up again, I don't wanna hurt them. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run away. Um, but I think as well, you need to close this chapter for yourself. So while I don't think this person's a bad person for for ghosting you, I think they may have their own things going on, or often, like I said, more often than not, someone is just too fucking scared of hurting someone. And does make them a bad person, it makes them immature, it makes them selfish. But I don't think we have the right to paint anyone really with the with the brush of an awful human unless we have a lot of data. We have a lot of data, more than a month, and then a ghosting moment data. I think as well if someone is going to ghost you and you're going to get upset by this, you need to take responsibility in in telling them that it's upset you and questioning it. What's worse, appearing desperate or being desperate? Not that you're desperate, but right now you are. And again, coming from my own my own uh, history. You're probably feeling desperate, but they don't know that. You know what I mean? So you internally are quote unquote desperate in your mind. You aren't really, but in your mind, you're like, Oh, I feel like, Oh, I wanted to text from this person. Oh, like, Oh, oh I need that little serotonin boost. Like I just need a response of any kind. And it's driving you fucking crazy. But that person thinks you just don't care either. So if you message them and say, Hey, like what's going on with this? These are my boundaries. I don't know. What, have I done something? Are you okay? Has something happened to you? Without an angry tone, just being like, I'm just wondering what's happening. And they don't reply. Then at least you have your answer that they don't care enough and you can move on. And maybe that is a bit of an arsehole thing to do. But if you just stay quiet, you're just going to fester this thought about what, when are going to text me, when are they going to text me? when are they going to text me? And then you're going to drive yourself fucking insane when you could have had an answer either way. So I think the sooner the better to get an answer, text them or call them. I would call them. But if you don't feel like calling them, text them and just be like, Hey, um, hope you're okay. I just want to check in as I haven't heard from you in a week or how many days it's been. Hope you're doing well. Call me later if you want to. Don't ask them what's going on because a month in, they actually don't know owe you anything. They genuinely owe you nothing. Like I used to think people owed me something after a month or two months but they actually they actually don't unfortunately um and that's a very harsh truth I know that I'm very like brutal about this shit but I just really really think the best answer is any answer if you ask the question you get the answer either they don't reply you know they went for you they reply saying no sorry I don't want this anymore or they reply saying yeah no this is the explanation so you get an answer either way. Otherwise you can drive yourself crazy. Bite that bullet, text him. Don't worry about looking desperate because you're probably feeling desperate right now, but in reality you aren't. You're a bad bitch. You got so much going for you. I'm proud of you. You'll find someone who wants to message you, who doesn't ghost you, or you'll find out that he had a reason for it. So there are plenty more fish in the sea as they say, girls. And I'm just, I feel like, as always, in the words of Cathay Knight, communication is cool. All righty, second question. Nah. Okay, so this email had two questions in it, but I'm going to. No, nah, you know what? You know what? I'm going to answer both. All right, cool. So the first one is to do with sex. Um, I'm struggling to make guys finish in bed and all get it up. Ever since my ex two years ago, I keep having this problem before the ex I was fine. Fantastic. But now I don't know what's going on. And even though I am, so I've heard somewhat good in bed, I can't get guys to finish either finish and or get it up in the first place. It makes me feel really self-conscious in the bedroom. And it makes me not want to do things like give the guy head. So many cues for you is how do I get it better in bed? That includes how to be confident, how to actually want to give head and saying what it is that I like and having the confidence to ask them what it is they want. Okay. First of all, someone not getting hard, not being able to finish. isn't Well, look, that has nothing to do with you, but it's more often their own issue. They're either in their head a bit too much, maybe they could be nervous, maybe they've had the issue before and they're freaking out about it. I mean, I know for me, on my antidepressants, I'm finding it really hard to finish, not really lately, but at first I found it really hard to finish. And um, I would get in my own head and be like, I'm not going to come, I'm not going to come, just try and come, just try and come. And it it just would not happen. I think predominantly because I was like, oh, this needs to happen and it's not going to happen I'm so used to coming like four times every time I have sex. So that's the first thing. I want you to try and get rid of any guilt you have about that. I mean when it comes to finishing, obviously different people are going to like different things, different men are going to like different things and, you know, if like you were asking, if you investigate what they like, you probably will make them finish easier. But, again, this doesn't really – Have anything to do with you? I've slept with guys before that haven't been able to get hard for me, and I've been like, okay, I've slept with guys that haven't been able to come. Either they're on antidepressants as well, or they sometimes men have trained themselves so strongly into not coming so that they can keep fucking you that sometimes they can't come. And that's happened to me before as well. I mean, we've all had those moments. I'm sure in the podcast group, if anyone wants to comment and make our girl feel a bit more uh, normal, quote unquote, everyone's had this. Everyone's had someone not being able to get hard. I mean, the, the the last guy that I was sleeping with a few months ago, couldn't get hard the first time. And I was like, oh God, I've really, I've really done it to him here. But the next time, you know, hard as a rock, babe. And I just kind of ignored it and didn't make him feel weird about it. I was like, oh, it's cool. go to sleep. All good. That's fine. Don't make it a big deal. That's, that's an important thing as well. Don't make it a big deal if they can't come or if they can't get hard because it makes them feel self-conscious. It makes them overthink it. And the next time they see you, they're going to associate that feeling of nervousness and overthinking with you. And therefore they won't be able to do it again. So just be chill, be super chill. Maybe ask if they would like to do some other play, would they like to eat you out? Would they like to perhaps mutually masturbate? Would they like to um, maybe just play with your your vajuts? Um There are lots of different things you can do. You can also just say, "Well, let's just make out for a while," and you can do you can roll around and you can have some heavy petting, and that could break the the anxiety and the nervousness around. Um, them getting hard on their erection. Because, you know, I always say that there's this assumption in heterosexual sex that, you know, sex starts and ends with an erection. And while that does create a lot of uh, pressure on women to satisfy the men, it also creates pressure on men to be able to get hard. And it can sometimes be overwhelming. So I think be chill, be nonchalant of sorts don't make them feel bad. I'm sure you're not, but, but don't even question it. Just be like, that's cool. Whatever. Let's just make out for a bit longer anyway. That's totally fine. Just breeze over it. Now, when it comes to being confident in bed, I think the biggest thing is to have, have some knowledge, you know, ask them what they like, ask them what they like in a non-sexual setting, ask them what they like. Maybe when you're like sitting on the couch and you're just chatting, chatting away and say, so I saw this thing, or you could say, I listened to Abby's podcast about um." glugging it up and she said to do xyz have you tried that and would you like that and you can like be sexy about it and say do you do you want me to try it out on you and that can create a whole different atmosphere of, again, sex being play and sex being exciting and it being a naughty little thing that you're doing rather than, all right, you know, going through the motions, which sometimes sex can feel like to some people. And I know that before I've really understood and felt that sex was play for me, I would sometimes go through this with with ex-boyfriends. So that's the first thing. Suggest things that you want to do in a non-sexual setting where they don't feel pressured, because we obviously consent is everything. And it's also naughty. It's naughty if you're at dinner and you say, So I listened to this podcast and she said to do this, this, and this. Um, I really want to try it out. Do you want to do it when we get home? Something like that. I watched this, I watched this porno, and this, this, and this happened. What are your thoughts? Get a new toy and say, I've got this new vibrator, but I want you to try and use it on me. So all of these little suggestions take away any pressure from sex beginning and ending with an erection. And I think then you'll be freer to have, they will feel freer to have sex where they want to have sex and there'll be buildup and less pressure on them. Therefore they'll get hard and probably come because a huge thing for a lot of men is having tension and buildup. And that's why in Glug It Up I say to like look up and just gently lick the the knob just gently underneath because it, it gives them anticipation. It's not that that feels particularly good, though I'm sure it doesn't feel bad. It's that there's like what what's she going to do next? You know, that's where the excitement comes from. When it comes to actually wanting to give head, I mean, if you don't want to give head, you don't have to give head. If anyone doesn't want to give head in any capacity, if anyone doesn't do anything sexually, then they don't have to. I don't think you should try and force yourself to want to give head. Perhaps again, like I was saying, make it a little game, like try out different things. I really enjoy giving head because I like being a little bit submissive and I like just like pleasing the person that I'm with. But if you don't feel that way, then you shouldn't have to. Don't give head because you feel pressured to. Okay, like you don't have to want to give head. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give you advice on how to want to give head because it's all by consent, you know. If you want to f- figure out a way to feel confident in asking them what they want and telling them what you want, just know that that's when the best sex is had. No one, I've actually done. I did write an article with Pop Sugar about this. I'll put it in the uh, description and I'll put it in the podcast group. But the thing is I called a few men that I've slept with for research for this article and I was like, wow, well, listen, like when we've had sex and I've said I want this, 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 what's your reaction been? And every single one of them has said it's been so hot and I've wanted to, I've wanted to do it and want to make you come from it. Because I literally will say like, okay, cool, I'm going to get my bush, I'm going to get my little <laughs> empress, I'm going to put it on my clit and you're going to slowly fuck me and I will come. And they go, fuck yeah. Amazing. And they fucking love it because they know that you're enjoying yourself. So it's actually, it's a, it's a huge turn on for a lot of men, for the men that I've slept with anyway, having autonomy and having agency and being an active contributor to sex rather than just being a passive participant. You know what I mean? So that's important. Asking them, it's equally as sexy. Say, what do you like? Is there anything you want me to do? Is there anything that, uh, is there anything that you really enjoy? What will make you come the fastest? And they'll tell you. If if people ask other people and be what they want, they will tell them. And if they don't, just say, okay, what about this? What about, you know, do you like um, getting rim jobs? Do, like do you like anal play? Do, do you like, do you have a kink at all? Do you like being dominant or submissive? Um, I think that opening up conversation is only going to lead to better sex because at the very least you'll figure out what they don't want. And if they can't communicate what they want, then if you suggest things you should get there eventually. Or if you just try different things and with consent, obviously, but just try different things you'll get there eventually. Um, So yeah, that's the sex advice. Now, the next one is how to be okay with being bi. Lately, I've started realizing that I might be sexually attracted to girls, but the thought of talking to a girl with the intention of hooking up terrifies me. But it is something I'd like to explore. How do I get over that? How do I be okay with it? Oh my God, babe, I don't know. Like I am literally in the same boat as you. So I think I said on an episode one time that I struggle and I think a lot of bi women struggle with dating girls for a few reasons, right? The first reason I think is that because we have female friendships, we don't know when someone's flirting or just being really lovely. Like I kiss all my girlfriends on the lips when we get drunk. You know, like we're like, oh, I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. You look so beautiful. Oh, God, you're gorgeous. Oh, I love you so much. You're amazing. Like that's my female friendships and I wouldn't have them any other way. And I don't have crushes on my female friends, but I will kiss them on the lips. No, you know? So then when you go into the dating scene and you're trying to date women, you're like, what the fuck? I'm so confused. Like, do they like my dress or do they want to kiss in the bathroom? Like what's going on? And I think as well, because women, we've all been victim of some man crossing a line when it comes to quote unquote flirting, whether that is just you feel uncomfortable or you've been, you feel like you've been assaulted. Either way, we don't want to be that person. We don't want to be forward. We don't want to be overstepping a boundary and possibly making another woman feel uncomfortable because we've all been there so it's hard I mean I would say honestly get on a dating app it's easier it's safer you know the people that are on there are wanting to match with you for a romantic relationship and then be honest say listen like I have just discovered my bisexuality if you get closer to someone and say I haven't slept with a girl before I haven't had this interaction before, and when you sleep with a girl for the first time, it can be so it's so exciting, and you will be more comfortable if they know your situation, and it'll make the sex better. And similar to the last question, if if they know exactly where you're at and what you want, they can help you. And there are some people who don't want to sleep with like you know newly bi girls because I think that it's a straight girl that just wants to explore, use a lesbian to explore the sexuality. And know. that's okay as well. I, I think it's, it's very, it's very hard. It's very hard being a bi woman. Like I would say I find women more attractive, but it terrifies me um, going and date to the woman. I think it's also a lot of internalized homophobia for me that I still need to work through and like right now I'm dating like a few, a few guys and yeah, I'm like oh. every woman that I see is stunning but like men if a man's smart I'm like oh my god he's the one but women are everything and more so yeah I'm struggling as well so if anyone has any tips please go in the podcast group comment your experience with coming out as by and accepting that and feeling valid because it is hard to feel valid sometimes. All right, guys, that's it for today. I will be back tomorrow. I promise, promise, promise. It's back to daily now. I just had a little bit of a break and um, please email in your questions to itslotpod at gmail.com. And I will hopefully get to you also any topic suggestions. Feel free. Um, I want to get Danny on again because he's the smartest man that I know. And I feel like I want his opinion. So if you want Danny and I to talk about anything, Let me know. All right. Love you all.